Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. This week's episode features Poppy Jamie. She's the founder of Happy Not Perfect. And there's no coincidence that this episode is launching on International Mental Health Day. So I hope you enjoy this episode and get a lot out of Poppy's life philosophies. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Divya Gugnani. She's the founder of Wander Beauty. Hope you enjoy the shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so happy to be sitting next to Poppy Jamie. She's the founder of Happy Not Perfect. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm a massive fan of the podcast. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, Let's start with something easy to talk about, um, because everybody always wants to know this. How are you spending your day today? Oh my gosh. Okay. Today I had a really wild day. Um, I actually was just on Cheddar TV, which is the New York Stock Exchange. So it was a real experience. I walked in there and there were just men in suits for miles. Um, and it was a television show where we were talking about mental health, but it just so happened as happens it's hosted in the New York Stock Stock Exchange. And are you doing press for most of the day today? Um, Press and then our office is quite close by so I dropped in for a marketing meeting and a strategy on uh, the release of our future product and uh, then I had another voice, I had a a video call meeting, oh no I've had two video call meetings. So my day, oh no, three. So my day started at 8am from either video calls, Skype meetings, real meetings, press meetings. Uh, yeah, so it's a whole host of things. And is that a normal day? Yeah, it really is. Because in a startup, you have to wear so many hats. No one has a job title, really. It's just get stuff done. Um, and I think being founder, you've just got to sit on so many different facets of the business, whether it's I'm highly involved in actually creating the app, but also how we're talking about the app and, and, and everything else that goes along with a small company that you know, you're know you trying to run at 100 miles an hour and you have minimal people. And what is Happy Not Perfect? So Happy Not Perfect is a mindfulness app with a difference. And... Uh, I created it because I was struggling to meditate, I was feeling super stressed out, and I was a television host at the time. Um, I had a TV show on Snapchat, and what I realized is that everybody was stressed out. I'd receive all these messages saying, I just feel anxious about home, work, the future, Um, I'm tired, I'm frazzled, and I was reading them saying, yeah, me too, me too, me too, me too. And it was this moment of, surely like, we can't just all struggle. Life wasn't there for us all to struggle through. Surely there is a different way that we can do life. And um, this kind of psychological study turned into an entire research, intensive seven day a week kind of research uh, kind of, uh, project into what on earth we could all do to help ourselves feel more relaxed, know ourselves better, sleep better, and be able to manage our minds so we feel less, less anxious. So I've said this to you twice because it's really amazing to me. You're, you're so young to have already evolved into a human that has this awareness. You know, I mean, I'm 43, so I'm on this journey, and this journey sort of started not that long ago. So I'm so grateful that you are so young and doing this for yourself to be Mm. able to enjoy each day more. That's so kind. Um, It's very hopeful to me that, like, even my kids could get there early, right? Like, that we can all get there earlier. 
100%. And I look around and I feel there is a mass wake-up call of us suddenly going, hold on a minute, what it, what does it mean to be a human being? I don't want to feel this, this stressed out. I don't want my kids to feel this stressed out. How do we learn to think better? And if you look at technology, you know, we're getting upgrades for our phones every six months. iOS 12, iOS 13, but why are we not upgrading our minds and the way we're thinking? And when you really look into the science, you realize that we think like cavemen did, but actually there aren't any lions. So we have this negative bias because let's say hundreds of years ago, it was really useful for us to look for the negative first. You'd walk into an environment and you'd go, okay, where's the lion? Oh, see one over there, let's re- let get out, get out everyone, we're in danger. Whereas now we have this kind of, we're wanting to see the negative in situations which actually doesn't help us at all. So we really need to practice rewiring our brain to look to the positive first. That is so interesting that you say that. I didn't know this, but it makes a lot of sense because I was always negative first. Um, I mean, I suffered from self-doubt and so many things that I'm unraveling now. But um, yeah, I want to walk into situations with a positive attitude and a grateful attitude. But you know, historically, it was the opposite for me. Totally. And also, most, I would say, 99.9% of people, it's like that. So it's kind of, as a group, we're like, okay, time to be human beings in 2018. So that was very normal for us to be negative first. Right. Okay, so I have a really important question for you. And this might, this episode might turn into a little bit of a therapy session, so our listeners (laughs) should know this might get heavy. But um, I'm a recovering perfectionist, Mm. um, and I'm really curious about how do you define the word perfect? This is such a good question. I think perfect um, is such a confusing word because often it has been created by other people's expectations. So what we believe perfect is in the eyes of our parents or what the world thinks is perfect, how we should look um, is created by brands that, you know, create an idea of perfection. And so it means that most of us are running to other people's versions of perfect, um, which is often unattainable. And we're running to this rainbow where there's this pot of gold and we just suddenly get there and we're like, oh no, I've got to run another distance and another distance and another distance. And we get more tired and more self-hating because we're not reaching other people's idea of perfection. Yes, I was always chasing perfection. And I told you that um, since I had this awakening, I realized that the word perfect shouldn't even be a word because it doesn't exist, right? There's nothing in the world that's perfect. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Um, and once I realized that, um, I was able to calm down. <laughs> yeah, like majorly chill out. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was so fixated on other people's point of views mm. and trying to read everyone else's minds. Um, and I think that's a root of the perfectionism. Absolutely. It, um, I find that when we lead lives wanting to be perfect, it is like walking around life with a really heavy backpack. It is so heavy trying to always be kind of better and nothing is essentially you don't think you're good enough mm-hmm. that really what comes from being a perfectionist and I'm uh, and also I'm a recovering perfectionist <laughs> um, perfectionist anonymous that should be a group um, <laughs> uh, uh, and it is it's 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 exhausting living life and to be honest it takes a while to realize that you're doing it right so do you remember your first um, moments of perfectionism 
Yes, I, well, I think the, the moment I realized that, and really one of the main reasons for calling Happy Not Perfect, Happy Not Perfect, was I woke up in the middle of the night just thinking to myself, imagine if you, cho- if you made decisions based on what made you happy rather than what you thought made you perfect. So deciding, actually, I don't want to go to the party. And this feeling of, oh, but I should. But if I don't do that, then I'm, uh, you know, or no, I don't want to do that career. Oh, but, but, but so maybe I should. Or no, I actually want to eat this. And this idea of just actually living life for me rather than others. And that was this moment of these words, happy, not perfect. And it was like this huge weight came off me and I thought oh my god life now just seems so much brighter because I've just made that conscious decision that I'm going to start making decisions for me. That's so interesting you talk about that because it's um, it echoes the sentiment of another one of our guests um, several weeks ago her name is Nanetta Gaspe and she's um, in her 50s and it's just recently that she discovered that she was living her whole life for other people. Right, so this is a really important theme, I think, with happening with women today. At least, like, you know, I guess ambitious women that I know. Yeah, and also, um, if I speak to a lot of college students, and this huge focus on success, and if you look at, and I think technology's got a big part to play in it, because, you know, take ourselves back 40 years ago, we didn't know what our brothers, girlfriends, mothers, God, you know, babysitters, like dog owners, you know, wife was doing, but now we do. And actually we don't need to know half, 80% of the information, 90% of the information that is bombarded at us. And because we spend so long on social media, this comparison is a thief of all joy. You've had a great holiday and then suddenly you look online and oh God, you didn't have sunshine every day. You had rain one day, and your, but your friend had sunshine every day and your holiday was a little bit worse than you imagined it to be. And it is, it's like other people's feeds are stealing away our happiness. And also this idea that suddenly we walked into this world of like perfectionism, filtered photographs, and not even knowing what's real or not. So I think it's become more of an issue than ever. Um because of the fact that we're living so much of our lives through social media accounts. So let's talk about social because um, obviously it's the best bullhorn we have right now for telling our own stories, right? So social is an important facet of having not perfect and it's an important facet of my podcast and other things I do. Um, But I don't want to be that person who's like, always on and I don't want to feed into the, um, the, the, the devil on my shoulder, right? So how do we reconcile that we can actually reach a community of like-minded people here? But to, in order to do that, I'm still <laughs> going to see things that are complicating that for me. Yeah. And I think that's when you've got to become so strict about who you follow, about what information you're consuming. So I will often go through who I'm following and say, okay, are all these accounts making me feel good? What are these accounts? What content are they creating? Because, for example, the Happy Not Perfect account, we only follow positive accounts and loads of positive quotes. And so the Happy Not Perfect account is very much about positive quotes and uplifting kind of tips of the day. And it's amazing to me how uplifting an experience on social media is because I'm only seeing inspiration. Whereas, you know, on my own personal account, having, you know, spent years, oh, maybe I'll follow this person, maybe follow this person, you can then be confronted by stuff that doesn't make you feel great. Right. So it's actually asking me sort of like to curate the way that I would curate my friends right after I like evolved as a human. 
I'd be curating yes. my feeds that I follow. Totally. And if there's, and look, I, I'm really unconfrontational, so I would never want to unfollow a friend like, and make them feel bad. So I just mute their account. So they don't know I'm not unfollowing them. I just don't need to be triggered by their content. Mm-hmm. That's such a that's such good advice because um, I go down the rabbit hole and I'm I'm not even like really on social that much like compared to other people, um, but I can feel myself going down the rabbit hole. Sometimes it's like food videos and like hair dye videos, which I, I think love. are totally fine. But then yeah, then it leads me into like the the dark worlds of like crazy fitness people and you know it gets kind of dark and scary down there but um I love this idea I can do this I can curate for myself yeah yeah that's curating for my well-being 100% and that's I think I think technology can get a really really bad rap um and so I think it's like using it in moderation everything in moderation is good you know um and so I would say it's not all bad. We can just manage it better. Right. But then if I've curated the experience so that I'm going to see positive messages from positive mm. like-minded feeds, I'm going to feel good about the experience. Yeah, totally. Okay. Got it. Thank you for that tip. Thank you. Okay. So you mentioned you were a TV host before this. Yes. Um, what was a, your day-to-day like back then? My gosh, as a TV host, it was crazy because, um, especially when I was in uh, London, I would have to interview maybe five different people a day. So it was just always on the go. And then I'd edit, you know, my own content. And so it was honestly 6 a.m. till midnight, maybe. Um, Super intensive. And I think that's really what led me to being really burnout. I suffered from um, adrenal burnout, which is just unbelievably high stress levels for a long period of time and my body was just like snapped nah you're not doing it anymore and I was really sick and energy levels so low always tired I was kind of wondering if it was glandular fever I was wondering if it was um you know, all, of, all of these different things and the doctors were said you know you've got adrenal burnout you're just your energy levels you need to rest and I think it, it, this is um and since I had it I've heard from so many especially women, suffering from just kind of long-term exhaustion because we're pushing ourselves so hard. And this idea of, you know, we've got to have great jobs, then we've got to look great, and then we've got to date, and then we've got to be on this, like, you know, there's just, from all angles, we're pushing ourselves to the very last kind of, like, juice of energy we have, and we're not prioritizing rest or sleep. So my TV host kind of, like, schedule really was the, I was the catalyst for going stop and reevaluate your life and start prioritizing different things. Um, it's so interesting that you mentioned you're, you're on air talent, you were a producer and you were an editor of yeah. your own work, which I can imagine was incredible resources for what you're doing right now though. Totally. <laughs> right? You know, hundred percent. I totally, I, yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's so, you know, I, I look back in that period and I'm grateful for, you know, essentially being forced to learn everything you could possibly learn to put together a TV show. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't remember having a weekend off. I literally wow. worked every single day. Um, uh, yeah. So it, yes, taught me a lot, but also taught me probably the most valuable lesson is how to relax. Right. So um, were you chasing after this ideal that you, was expected of you back then? Is that why you're working seven days a week? Yeah, I actually probably think it came from a really insecure place. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt that I was worthless until I had made myself a success. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, 
you suddenly go, oh, okay. Like, I love ambition and I really enjoy working hard. But um, knowing why you're working really hard, I think, is, like, something that's important to reflect on because that's unhealthy. Right. So what was um, the definition of success for you back then? I think I... Being honest, I probably was, I mean, I, I think I had such outward confidence. I'd walk into a room and be like, hi, hi. But inward, I thought I was so useless that I, that any, I, this is where it comes from perfection. I was, I thought I was successful when inside I felt, you know, confident. And so as a consequence, you like outside work does not equate to inner work. We have two sets of work to do. Um, and, um, and, you know, and you know, what an Instagram feed of interviewing this celebrity or that celebrity, like I wasn't feeling any better inside. So that was a big moment. Um, it's making me all think about, I'm actually like going way back to like when I was like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old to, um, at night before I went to bed, almost every night I would rearrange a little like tchotchkes on my shelf, like the little like Tinkerbell thing and like the little dolls and toys, I'd rearrange them because I think I was looking to do something with that perfectionism energy. Yeah. Um, like making different scenes, not playing with them. Like I played, of course, during the day, but my ritual before bed was to like straighten them up and reorganize them and line them up maybe little to big or big to little, you know, yeah. or make them in little collections. And um, it why wasn't- do, Why do you think you did that? I think I needed to expend that energy. Like I needed mm. to feel some sort of control. Yeah. Um, and they were, um, you know, they didn't talk back, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, they weren't emotionally complicated. And it was my zone, right? It was mm. my room when I was alone. So I think that was my, my real self coming out because like you, I moved through the world, people thinking I was very comfortable in it, but I wasn't. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I do think this is something that is, you know, many women can relate to, putting on this front and also, like, but what's behind the curtain? As that was really, really, Happy Not Perfect has been such a healing experience for myself, you know, as well as other people. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm having so many memories happen right now. This is kind of big, and I'll probably, like, lose it a little bit later. <laughs> but, um, okay, let's talk a little bit about this idea of people-pleasing. Mm -hmm. um, you called it the disease to please, which I feel like you should trademark or something it's oprah's it, oh, is, it is oprah's <laughs> yeah oprah said this she's like honey do you have the disease to please and i'm like i do i do <laughs> it's so brilliant the disease to please oh my gosh um you know and i think a lot of how you're like brought up you know you're told like to be good you know so you, all, you want that affirmation you want that like validation um but as a consequence it kind of goes back to our you know first conversation you spend all your energy trying to please everyone around you and then suddenly you don't have very much left yourself so um how does the disease to please how did it play out for you so the disease to please um really probably which led to my kind of exhaustion and burnout because you know someone would say oh would you mind just like would you mind just writing this up for me <gasps> yeah no problem I'll write that up for you oh would you mind just doing this oh yeah and my friend be like can you organize my birthday party as well yeah yeah of course I can I've got to be a good friend oh my god you, you will make sure that you, you know you organize your mother's flowers yeah, yeah no problem and so constantly you're, you're 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 saying yes 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 because you want to be pleasing everyone in your life and really I was the one just 
you know, like my my health was like, nah, you can't do this for 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 very much longer. So this is the things that we're talking about: the people pleasing, mm. the perfectionism. These are not easy things to turn off. Like you can't just flick a switch. No, because they're habits. And um, what's so interesting about our brain is science has proven that it is made of plastic, so neuroplasticity. And when I came across this term, it was like night and day. I was like, you're kidding me. And so this scientist that I worked with very closely at UCLA to build Happy Not Perfect, he said, yeah, didn't you know that, that you can like remold your brain? I was like, no, you're kidding. tell me more. And this whole idea of habits and the way that we were maybe brought up, so nature, nurture, all of those things, is that we all have the power to change them and the, change the way our thinking habits so are. So we don't need to always have the disease to please. You can retrain your brain to think differently. You can retrain your brain, for example, the negative and the positive. We have, all have the capability to retrain our brain to look for the positive of the negative. So that's really was like my focus point on like the seed of like what happy not perfect was because I thought there are so many things that I need to work on but how do I do it and is it possible and I found out it is possible and then I wanted to create a tool to answer how how do you do it what is the term for what's the brains made out of neuroplasticity and um, it's not obviously really plastic, but is that just about the moldability? Yes. How we can reshape it? Totally. So, so it's like silly putty in there? Literally, our brain's like silly putty. Uh -huh. it's, it's so fascinating. And I thought, how are we not told this when we're nine years old? Yeah. Um, Why aren't we? Well, they are just bringing on mental health education to schools in New York, actually. It only got kind of only got um, announced two days ago, but this is what we've been campaigning for as well. Um, this idea of we should all be knowing these facts about our brain. We all know that we need to brush our teeth, like that's a given. Right. And we all know that if we wanted to become more flexible, you know, you oh, you would stretch, you know, like that's normal. And the same normality needs to be applied to the mind and the brain, that if you want to change it, you can. It just is repetition and exercise. Right, as the mom of two kids at age 11 and seven, I can understand how valuable this would be in a, as a lesson. Because we talk about it at home, but if it was reinforced in other places as well, like you're having a bad day, this will pass. Yes. Tomorrow will be different. And that's just part of the human experience, right? Totally. Um, which helps me unravel the perfectionism, right? Like not every day is like amazing and yeah. jump for joy. Sometimes they really suck. But we're here and we're alive, and that's what's important. So true. Um, but yeah, I never really thought about like if there was in phys ed a physical and a mental component, right? 100%. These kids would be learning that like, oh, okay, this really stunk. I had to bet on a test, or I was ignored at lunch. But like, I can move on from this. And Absolutely, and I have the power to. Right. And you know, and also I was angry. That's a normal emotion, but I can change. I don't need to be in an angry mood still. Yes, um, having the ability to like restart the day yes. is something I re also learned recently. I hope my kids learn it <laughs> earlier than me. Yes, and so one of the biggest kind of skills I think I learned through this journey was, you know, it sounds so stupid and simple, but breathing. Mm -hmm. This idea of like taking a belly breath because nine out of 10 people only breathe through their chests. So you ask someone to breathe and they inhale, their shoulders rise and they exhale and the shoulders drop. Whereas our neck and shoulder muscles are nothing to do with breathing. There's no reason why we should be moving on our neck and shoulder right. muscles okay. up. So, so um, can we do a breathe? Yeah, so do a breath breathing? now. Do a big inhale and exhale. 
Yeah, so you're a bad breather. Oh, that's so sad. Okay, how can I become a better breather? <laughs> but don't worry, nine out of ten people are bad breathers. Okay. So, the, so if you put your hands on your belly, mm -hmm. okay, and I want you to relax your shoulders down and keep them down. And on your inhale, I want you to inhale your belly as if you're pregnant. So you want me to expand my belly? Yeah, okay. expand your belly. Inhale. Like while I'm inhaling. Yeah, inhale. Expand your belly as if you're pregnant. And exhale. And move your belly to your spine. Squeeze all the air out. Now inhale. Expand your belly. Sip some more air in. And exhale. That's harder. Yeah, it is. It's using but all your belly muscles. Is that how you breathe while you're moving through the day or just when you're looking for these deep Well, breaths? I mean, from up until the age of five years old, you belly breathe. Okay. And then at the age of five years old, you move into a chest breather because we usually get sent away to school and we start breathing hunched over desks. Mm -hmm. So when you want to feel relaxed in any moment, think about the belly breath. Because right. It's very difficult because we have been what? for however many years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, been breathing badly. So we need to consciously just spend one minute and on the app it will teach you how to belly breathe. Um, this idea of you can sit at your desk, and this is so brilliant about it because for people that can't meditate, they're like, oh, I need to do something, I need to calm myself down. And this idea that you can start the day at any point, the belly breath is the best tool for that. So you can sit there, hands on your belly and just breathe in, expand your belly, Feel your whole belly expand, just expanded as if you're pregnant. And exhale. Right, so my body wants to do the opposite. Like when yeah. you were asking me to... You, it wants to breathe vertically and you want to go horizontal. Right, my body, as I'm breathing in, wants to suck my belly in. And when I breathe out, wants to push it out. But yeah. that's the opposite of what you're asking me to do. Absolutely opposite. Okay, because so if you practice. think Yes, absolutely. Because if you think about it, you want as much oxygen. When you're breathing in, you want as much oxygen in it there as possible. And you want to exhale and you want to squeeze all that old, stale oxygen and carbon dioxide that you don't need out. So you want to like squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it, and make your body as small as possible. Okay. And then on your inhale, you want to expand, expand the lungs, really fill all the lungs out, fill the expansion. Yeah, and exhale. It's way harder. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And one belly breath mm -hmm. is the equivalent of six chest breaths. Okay. And it's and you may feel a bit lightheaded. Yeah. Because you're unused to that amount of oxygen. But it's so brilliant. You're oxygenizing your entire body and your brain, most importantly, to relax your mind. Okay, I can do this. I'm so grateful. That's so awesome. <laughs> I'm glad we started talking about that. Okay, so um, the last topic I want to talk about is, um, it's sort of, I guess, the summary and the whole point of what you're doing here. So I'm someone who suffers from self-doubt, insecurity, people-pleasing, probably a lot of other things as well. Um, can you really turn your life around? Oh my gosh, 100%. And I say that from being that person. Um, I suffered from all of those things and Happy Not Perfect was really the education that I found from scientists, neuroscientists, CBD specialists, um, world experts like the breathing expert, Dr. Bliss Vanyak, and put them all in one app. And really, it's like a mind gym. So anything is possible, possible to be turned around if you want to commit to it. And that's just like your physical health. You wouldn't run a marathon without training. And the, the same goes for our mind. If you want to feel more relaxed, if you want to sleep better, if you want to be able to have control of your emotions, it is all down to practice.
So for example, in the app, we have, you know, asks you every day to write a grateful diary. So simple, so great to do with kids. And you say, what can we be grateful for today? And immediately they're like, mom and dad and, and like and the sunshine we have two legs and we've got breakfast and it's such a fun experience of teaching them to look around with a glass half full um one thing we have on the app too is burn bin where this idea that um when you have worries or you're anxious you get to write down you get to type it all out and then you're able to set fire to the whole screen <laughs> That's <laughs> so fun. Yeah, this idea of just like release. I actually do that in my head, um, but I love the idea of being able to see it visually. Yes, totally. Just like let it That's go. That's so fun. Because, you know, everything that we go through, every memory, every experience, we remember. Our brain is like Velcro to negative experiences. But yet when we're told a compliment, we forget it within a second. And so this idea that we need to, again, like retrain and practice that our brain is going to let go of those negative experiences and actually focus on those positive ones, because actually there's a lot more positive ones than negative. We just have a hard time remembering it. Um, and then there's exercises in the app, like self-compassion. And when is the last time you sat down and wrote yourself a compliment? And again, it's these exercises that seem so, seem so stupid, but the simple stupid, but it's like, if you take the sit up as an example, if I said, oh my God, I've just invented this amazing thing that's going to transform your body. Oh, it just requires you to basically sit up and down. <laughs> You'd be like, what? That is so simple. And that's the thing is that your mind is just the same. There's really simple exercises that help you be able to use it in a way that's going to help you be your best self. And that is that, that kind of how I like to call it the emotional resilience muscle, that bounce back mechanism. Because no matter who we are, we're going to go through setbacks. We're going to have challenges. You know, they always say if you, if everybody threw their problems up in the air, we'd all want to catch our own. Right. Like we have no idea what other people are going through, even if they have a really shiny profile of like pretty pictures. Um, but that, but we all have responsibility for our own bounce back kind of skill set. And so that's kind of, um, I couldn't like recommend anyone more practicing and like developing their bounce back skills. Okay. I love that everybody can do this. This is amazing. Yes. Okay. So my last question for you is mm -hmm. what is your long-term vision for happy, not perfect? What are you hoping to achieve or where do you want it to go? Well, I really say we're like an education first mission brand. So we're developing these mental well-being products like little sleep better sprays and, and supplements that be able to help you balance your gut bacteria to affect your mood and stuff. But so that's, they're all fun and I can't wait for them to launch. Um, but really, I really hope Happy Not Perfect can be like an education first brand where we really start, we really help educate people about their mind and so they know how to use it to the best of their ability. Um, and so really that I hope it's just a kind of a really like positive force in people's lives in whatever aspect, whether you download the app or you follow our Instagram or buy the products, I don't mind. But it's just, I just want it to be something in your life that is looking after you because it's so, it's easy to forget about ourselves when we're that busy. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us oh, today. Oh, that's so kind. Thanks so much, so much for having me on. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Poppy. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.